The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are live. It is Wednesday, October 2nd, 2003. Where has the year gone? I have a buzzword for you today, caregivers. This is part two of a show we did in April. Let me tell you about it. In April, here on Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, we discussed how technology is being developed to help the 65 million U.S. caregivers and many, many others around the world who provide weekly care to the ill, the disabled, and the the aged. This is a huge population and growing, and you'll hear how and why during the show. Now it's a half a year later. We're coming back to the topic. Today we'll examine the realities of this caregiving technology, its benefits and its limitations, its positives and its negatives, its challenges and its promises. And we'll talk about a wish list for the future. I have a panel packed with experts. Let me tell you a little bit about what they told me on this topic. Our experts will speak. First, we'll be joined by Jane Dixon Weber from the National Fragile X Foundation. And she said, listen very carefully, she said, technology can help you when you get a diagnosis. It can help you get information. Find doctors. Find other people in your same situation. And technology can help you feel overwhelmed. I get goosebumps when I read that. We'll be talking to Jane in just a couple of minutes. Joining us today is a return guest, Louise W. Gain, MS, from the Mind Institute, M-I-N-D. We'll find out more about that. She quotes Norman B. Rice, the former mayor of Seattle, Washington. Quote, dare to reach out your hand into the darkness to pull out, pull another hand into the light. Great quote. Thank you, Louise. We'll talk about how technology is helping pull these hands from the darkness into the light. Joining us again as well is Robert. He told me I could call him Robbie. Yes, Robbie Miller also from the National Fragile X Foundation. He says caregiving of those with special needs should be a valued and honored responsibility, activity, and profession. Bold and deeply caring words from Robbie Miller, and he will explain in a few minutes. And rounding out the panel is our good friend Fahim Ahmed from SAP. And he says, here's a reality check from Fahim. The health industry is much larger than the health care provider industry. Sometimes people don't even recognize themselves as a caregiver. So join us for the next hour for Caregiving Goes High Tech, 
Benefits, Challenges, and Wish List. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to the next hour. If you want to run with the Game Changers, guess what? You're in the right place. We hope you'll join us on Twitter. We have some active tweeters already. I see my co-producer, Malcolm Kimberlin, and we're at hashtag SAP Radio, all one word. I know you can spell that. So jump into the party and talk about what matters to you about caregiving and technology and the whole concept, the whole topic. We'll be quoting words of wisdom from our guests and their quotes and their topic talking points and their bios and you'll be learning more about them on Twitter. So join us on the stream, hashtag SAP Radio. Let me introduce my guests. First, we start off with Jane Dixon Weber. She has been the Support Services Coordinator for the National Fragile X Foundation since 2007. Jane talks and emails with parents around the world to help with their issues. Jane has two children. One is an adult son who has Fragile X Syndrome. The other she describes as a typical daughter. We'll ask her what typical is. I don't even know what that is and I have one of those. Jane assisted in the creation of the National Fragile X Foundation's Adolescent and Adult Project. She's also the author of a book called Transitioning Special Children into Elementary School. I'm sure very important work. And she's the editor for the book titled Children with Fragile X Syndrome. Welcome, Jane Dixon-Weber. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. Where are you calling from, Jane? I'm calling from Boulder, Colorado. How's the weather? The weather's beautiful today. The waters have all receded from our flood a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's right. That's right. Did you emerge unscathed, I hope, unrusted? We did, yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm glad. I lived in Eugene, Oregon for many years, and we talked about rusting in the summer. Yes, we won't go there. Thank you, Jane, for joining us. We have a lot to speak with you about. We appreciate your being on the panel. Let's now introduce Louise W. Gain. Louise is a genetic associate at the University of California, Davis Mind Institute, M-I-N-D. She works with Fragile X Treatment and Research Center. Louise has worked with more than 1,500 patients with Fragile X for over 25 years. She is currently, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Louise, the co-pi on the Fragile X Newborn Screening Project under the NIH-funded University of Washington Center of Excellence. She also works on the NIH-funded genotype phenotype studies in Fragile X. Big business card for you. How are you, Louise Gain? Welcome back. I'm doing great, Bonnie. And let me just say, not co-pi, but co-pi. Thank you very much. I knew you would correct me there. Where are you calling from today, Louise? I'm calling from Sacramento, California. And I hope the sun is shining there. Tell me. It is. It is. I rarely see a sunrise, but I saw one this morning. Good. I'm glad we gave you that opportunity. And joining us also again is Robbie Miller, Robert M. Miller. He's been the executive director of the National Fragile X Foundation since 1999. Robbie, believe it or not, has 40 years of experience. I would never guess, Robbie. As a teacher and administrator in the fields of early intervention, special education, mental health, and nonprofit human service, his work includes programs for children from abuse and neglect background in addition, and he has worked in economically disadvantaged areas of the U.S. Robbie, what can I say? Welcome back. How are you today? Couldn't be better. Thank you. Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Beautiful Pleasant Hill, California. Good. I hope the sun is shining and I hope it's a pleasant, pleasant hill and pleasant hill. Thanks for coming back, Robbie. Great insights you're going to share. 
I'm glad to hear that. It makes me think of Jim Carrey, but that was another movie. And rounding out the panelist, Fahim Ahmed. He's Vice President of Strategic Initiatives at SAP. He oversees research, design, development, and product management for SAP's consumer health care initiatives. And most important to us, Fahim is the founder and entrepreneur in residence, I love that title, for Care Circles, an SAP wellness platform that connects families with the information and services they need to care for their loved ones. Fahim began his career in 1990 advising businesses and governments in sub-Saharan Africa on the role of technology in emerging nations. Welcome back, Fahim. How are you today? It's a pleasure to be here, Bonnie. Good. Where are you calling from? Palo Alto, California. Okay, I hope it's a good day there. Let's get started. I'm going to go back into the opening, find out what my guests really meant by their quotes. I think we have plenty of time for everybody, so let's kick it off with Jane Dixon-Weber. You said, this is what gives me goosebumps, Jane. Technology can help you when you get a diagnosis. It can help you get information, find doctors, find others in your situation, and it can help you feel overwhelmed. That is one of the challenges of high-tech for caregivers. Talk to me, Jane. What does this mean to you? Um, what I found is that even in my own personal life, um, when we got received a diagnosis and with the many families that I talk to who get a diagnosis, they immediately get on the Internet and they see so much information that they don't know where to begin. And mm-hmm. so I, I get phone calls, you know, where do I start with all this information out there? Which of it applies to me? Which of it is accurate? And, and where do I begin? And so um, it, I find, I see and talk to a lot of parents, and I've been there too, that mm-hmm. it can, you can feel overwhelmed from the very first day just getting a diagnosis. Would we call that too much of a good thing, Jane? I, would, I, I think we can. I mean, that, yes, because 20 years ago we didn't have that, that problem, and, and now we do. And, and it's just learning how to help families muddle through all that information. And Jane, quickly, just to expand before we move on to Louise's quote, Jane, how do you advise these parents when they are overwhelmed, when they say, wow, look at this, but OMG, what do I, I need to know where the, the cheese is at the end of the maze here so I can get to the right answer. How do you advise them, Jane? Um, recently, just in the past six months or so, I created a document that's on our website that says the top ten things to do after getting a diagnosis. And so to help families present information on things they can do and give it to them and so that they can tackle or look at each of the issues when they're ready. Wonderful. Everybody loves a top something, a top ten, and this sounds like it's very important, not just a wow, this is fun, but thank God somebody's helping guide me. Good good work, Jane, and we'll be talking to you much more as we go back into the deep into the show. So thank you again for agreeing to join the panel. We're so pleased you're here with us. Great. Louise Gain, quoting the former mayor of Seattle, what's so special about Norman Rice? He says, dare to reach out your hand into the darkness to pull another hand into the light. Is technology for caregivers that lightness today, Louise Gain, talk to me. It certainly can be. Um, I hate to say that I picked a quote from a politician to um, make a statement that touches the heart, but um, yes, technology can be a light, and it's when that light shines through the darkness of grief, loss, and depression that then someone can reach out to the light, and then that light being an individual or technology can uh, the patient or the person can hear what is being said, um, and if someone listens, 
to um, how they feel and respond with truth and honesty and the gift of hope, then the darkness can be lifted and it can be left behind and people can move forward. And that's what the light, whatever the light is, can do for another. Thank you, Louise. And, and, you know, if technology is that light, as Jane was saying, we want to make sure it's not a blinding light. It's important to have a clear light, a beacon, if you will. We'll be speaking to you much more during the show. Robbie Miller, let's get to your quote. Caregiving of those, this is really, I think this should be crocheted somewhere, seriously, on a banner or, or put on the side of a building. Caregiving of those with special needs should be a valued and honored responsibility, activity, and profession. Bravo, Robbie. Talk to me. How does this relate to our technology discussion today? Well, you know, as I said on our our last show, you know, technology, no technology in the end, it it, it comes down to uh, the uh, the spirit uh, that under underlies caregiving, and I'm old enough, and I think I'm in year 42 now in my profession, to remember a, a time when uh, caregiving um, uh, was a, a profession that people uh, desired to go into. It was a great way for guys to uh, meet girls. By the way, you'd say I'm gonna, I'm studying <laughs> to be a social worker, uh, ah. a teacher. Uh, and and uh, college programs uh, encouraged that there was a, a the culture that we lived in back in this in the in the late sixties and early seventies really uh, highlighted that and made that an honored profession. I'm not saying that doesn't exist now, but it doesn't exist mm-hmm. quite in the same way. Uh, I think sometimes uh, the the technology professions or the uh, the buzz around uh, high tech and so forth attracts some of our uh, our best people uh, who may not see themselves as caregivers, as, as I think Fahim uh, alluded to. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to bring out that, that point, that caregiving, you know, teaching is, is, is a great example, but there all the other forms of caregiving really ought to be professions that our culture uh, ought to uh, salute and that uh, our, our officials and government and so forth ought to do everything in their power to encourage. And in fact, that's why you're here and that's why we're talking to this panel because you are giving dignity and hope to not only the the people who need it, but to the profession because you're all caregivers in your own way. And thanks for segueing me into Fahim. Fahim, I have one minute till break. Let's go to your quote, which Robbie uh, mentioned just a minute ago. The health industry is much larger than the health care provider industry. Sometimes people don't recognize themselves as a caregiver. Talk to me, Fahim, briefly, please. Well, this is really highlighting the trend that we see here. If you talk to Jane, she was a recipient of information, and then she turned, she became empowered, and now she helps so many others. Um, We see this all around us, and we find that the healthcare industry, the official industry, still talks about themselves as the care team, the anesthesiologist, the surgeon, the nurse, the Mm -hmm. doctor, and so on. But when you talk to families, what they call the care team is their friends and family and each other the support network and the doctors yes they're but they're a small part of it and I think we all have to collectively understand that if people are connecting with each other they are equally important in somebody's well-being and we need to recognize these caregivers even these unpaid caregivers as an important part of the system 
Very, very well put. Thank you, Fahim. We're going to take a break now, but what I wanted to mention is that in, in IMHO, in my humble opinion, the fact that we're developing technology for caregivers says, to Robbie's point, that we are acknowledging, we are recognizing, we are honoring them, saying, you need help, let's put development efforts behind that effort and make sure you get the help you need. Now we're going to talk today on the rest of the show about what is this high-tech aspect, what are the challenges, what is the upside, the downside, and the wish list for the future. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Our panelists, Jane Dixon-Weber, Louise W. Gain, Robbie Miller, and Fahim Ahmed. We have so much more to talk about. I know everybody listening knows somebody who needs this information, so don't think of touching that app, that dial, that mouse. We'll be right back. Kevin, out. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back, and this is our time in the show when we talk about what is in our guests' cups. What are they drinking today? So I'm going to kick this off with Jane Dixon-Weber. Jane, what are you drinking, or what do you want us to think you drink, or what was the best cup of something you ever had in your life? Talk to me, Jane Dixon-Weber. So this morning, I am drinking um, a cup of half-regular and half-decaf coffee by the um, Organic Coffee Company. I read in a magazine not long ago that it was one of the... Uh, rated the best coffee, and so I went out and tried it, and I loved it. Really? Is this high test, or you have anything in it? Any uh, sweetening, any cream, any anything, any enhancements, or just plain? I have a little bit of milk. So yeah, but it's half regular, half decaf with a little bit of milk. Okay. I bet it has just a little bit of a kick. Jane, here's a secret nobody knows. They don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. Just (laughs) water. That's all. You you know why. Okay. Thank you, Jane. Louise Gain, what are you drinking today? Or what's the best cup of something you ever had? My favorite thing is blueberry juice. It's organic. Nothing added. Just pure blueberries. And it always comes with friendship. And to catch up on all the weekly news because I get it at the farmer's market from one of the vendors and we chat as she gives me the blueberry juice. That is a lovely story. 
story. I want to find a farmer's market here on Long Island and go buy blueberry juice. I was going to ask you, how do you get it in the winter? But we're, you're in California, did you say? So Exactly, and they make it just for me because I love it so much. Oh, I can see them out there in that blueberry patch saying, Louise is coming, Louise is coming, get it ready. <laughs> exactly. Do you buy it by the, by the quart, by the gallon? Do you chill it? Do you freeze it? What do you do with it? We've never had anybody mention that on the show, so we want to know. in a container that they give to me. I don't know if it's a quart or, um, what, a pint, and yes, you can freeze it, and I pull it out every day and uh, have a glass. I love it. Thank you, Louise. That's the first time for Blueberry Juice on the show. We've done 150 shows, had over 400 guests. This is a first. Thank you, Louise. <laughs> Robbie Miller, I know you were calling back due to a crackly line. Robbie, do we have you back yet? You have me back. Wonderful. What are you drinking today, Robbie Miller? Oh, I'm having my usual black coffee, the way coffee should be had. But uh-huh. I am having it out of a beautiful mug made by one of my daughters, speaking of daughters. Yes. And that makes all the difference in the world in the taste of the coffee. It does. And does the coffee have a flavor or a style? Or give us a little more. What is it? What kind of coffee? You know, it's bitter. And it's black, and that's just the way coffee should be had to get you, (laughs) you know, awake in the morning. I don't want anything sweet and syrupy. There you go. Robbie's a coffee man. I love it. Thank you, Robbie. Fahim, what are you drinking today? Well, no coffee, I'm afraid. I'm kind of a Louise of I wonder if this is a California thing, but I'm having pomegranate juice. Oh, nice. And where do you get that? From a bottle or from, uh, I don't know, do you squeeze it yourself or talk to I, us? I, I wish I could squeeze it myself. No, it's from a bottle, but it's, uh, it's nice and tart and wakes me up. I, I have pomegranate juice here in the market, and I've used it in some special dishes you can cook with it, you know. It's part of some, some traditional okay. ethnic uh, meat dishes. Yeah, you can do some wonderful things with it. Go look up some recipes in your spare time, Fahim. Okay, let's get started. Oh, Malcolm, I, how could I forget? Malcolm says he has a steaming hot cup of Starbucks Tribute Blend, uh, full body with complex flavors. Everybody knows that Malcolm has abandoned Phil's coffee for the day. This is very unusual. I hope he's feeling okay. So it looks like Starbucks is the winner. All right, let's go into our roundtable now. I'm going to start this off with the person who started off our, our quote up front, Jane Dixon Weber. Jane, you mentioned, and let's take this a little further than we did in the beginning of the show, technology can provide access to information who are entering a caregiving role. And while you want caregivers to read the information critically, and here's the point I want you to talk about, Jane, one has to have a basic knowledge of the condition to be able to do so. Providing that initial basic accurate information can be challenging. So let's go back to what you said. I know the top 10 tips. Malcolm has mentioned them on Twitter for us. So how do people get that information? Is technology part of getting them the accuracy more than overwhelming them? Jane, what do you think? Well, I think that, um, you know, the, the challenge is to be able to guide families a little bit once they are move into this caregiving role. And so many families, you, know, you, you get a range of families. Some families get on the Internet and just start reading and, and uh, accessing every piece of information they can find. And other families will go on to Facebook or um, or some sort of other or, or meet with other you know try to meet up with other families who have a child who has been diagnosed so that they can find out so which of this information really applies to me you know which of it is really accurate because not everything applies to everyone and um, hopefully when they reach out to other families they can find they can say you know. 
um, they, they, other families can help guide them. I can help guide families to say, you know, start here. Focus on this information and, 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 start, and work your way up from here. Jane, do you often see through technology, and I'll pose this to the rest of the panel in a moment, you often see, sometimes or often see through technology that misinformation, let's say that, uh, and I'll get to Louise's point about the darkness and the light, that, that uh, a beacon is raised somewhere through online information where all of a sudden, OMG, my God, there's a cure, quick, line up at such and such a place where we're handing out cups of cure. Do you see that? Do you see anything sensational, sensationalized in that technology information available? Jane? You know, I do because when families mm-hmm. get a diagnosis, what they're looking for is, you know, how can I, and I use this term kind of loosely, how can I fix my child? How can and I? They want a miracle. They want a miracle, yes. right? Yes. And they, and they look for that first, I think the first thing is like, well, so, you know, what, what's going to happen to my child? How can I make my child different than everybody else and, and, and succeed mm-hmm. in this? Yes, it hasn't happened to me. It's not happening to me. I'm going to find the one piece of information, that, that little speck of miracle. Yes, very, yes. very human. Louise, let's get you in on this. You say no matter who we are, we all go through periods of darkness. We're talking about that diagnosis phase and, and what do you do next. It's the helping hand that's always needed and hopefully always found. Another lovely quote from you. How does this technology availability, the information, the plethora, the overwhelming float of information, if you will, how do you see that as that helping hand? Is it always the best helping hand, Louise? Um, Well, I'm sorry, Fahim. Technology is great, but I think there's another form of technology that's just as important, and that's the individual. And the individual who is reaching out their hand, and that can be someone such as me, a professional. And so, although, as Jane said, families use technology, and I'm not talking just those who have families with a child with special needs, but also families who have a loved one diagnosed with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Mm -hmm. or um, something I work with, Fragile X-Associated Tremor syndrome, long name, fax pass, is, as Jane said, they go on the internet, they get the information, but it's when they call the individual that really, with the knowledge they've gained, the darkness lifts, and again, that light comes, but it's through sharing, I believe, with the individual. Louise Fahim, I think you want to jump in here, Yes. Well, I just love that Louise brought that point up. I I Mm -hmm. fully agree. I don't think technology is the end goal at all. I think technology, even like a phone or a radio, helps us connect with other people. And that's the key. How do we connect with other people that have the experience that we want? So it's it's the bridge. In other words, it's the link. Would you say that, Fahim? It's the way to find people. You would never... Who who would find people around the world? It would just simply wouldn't happen or wouldn't happen easily. Correct, Fahim? Exactly. It's, it's, it's the bridge to find the people. And then as Jane pointed out, you have to find people that with the right experience as well. You don't want misinformation here. So how do we connect to people that are like Louise that have a lot of experience that are professionals, but also like Jane that have a lot of experience and there's no misinformation there. But how do I distinguish Jane from Louise from just somebody who is uh, venting on the Internet? Mm-hmm. Venting, very, very good point. Make that distinction? Very good point. Robbie Miller, I know you have a lot to say on this. Join the conversation, please. Where do you want to come in? Well, I, you know, uh, I think we're all starting to agree that technology, whatever that is, I mean, remember, paper and pencil, 
were at one time considered high-tech, right? So technology in and of itself is not the answer, and just connecting people is not the answer. It's part of the solution, but it is connecting to the right people. And, And what I was trying to say earlier, if there is a profession, if there is a valuing of caregiving, then those people that uh, are seeking help will will get connected to people who are able to provide the right kind of information, the right kind of listening, the right kind of referrals, the right kind of empathy that will allow the person uh, who is uh, seeking help uh, to take the next step. So it all, to me, comes back to, again, the the profession of caregiving. And I don't necessarily, I'm not saying this is caregiving that people have to have a PhD or a MS mm-hmm. at the end of their name. It's, it's, a, it's a, a tradition of paraprofessional caregivers that is just as important. So, you know, I, uh, I think we're all agreeing. Let's not get overly focused on technology and smartphones or whatever the case may be, because in and of itself, that's not the answer. It's just a tool. Fahim, we're just about ready to go to break, but I'd like you to just explain for our listeners what the Care Circles app is, and then I'll tell you where we're going to pick up after the break. Fahim? Oh, wonderful. Well, Care Circles was actually born out of the need to connect with other people and Mm -hmm. do it privately. We have great tools to connect with each other through Facebook and Twitter, but it's all very public. And I'm sorry, but if I have a private caring need, if I need to connect with other people about a, a health situation, that's not something I'm going to put on Google or Facebook or even Twitter. I need a way to connect with others privately, and I need a way to bring uh, reliable information into that circle, and that's what Care Circles does. Go check it out at carecircles.com. Thank you, Fahim. We're going to we're getting ready to take our break. When we come back, I want to expand what we're discussing. We're basically talking about fragile X. We're we're talking about or implying families with someone diagnosed with autism, but it goes well beyond that. Let me just read a quote from Fahim Ahmed. And when we come back, we'll start with this: Technology and the internet are just as important for seniors as for younger families. Seniors may not have their own smartphones or tablets, but they still say these are important avenues of information access for them because their children our grandchildren look up information on their behalf. So we're going to talk about about the elderly. We're going to talk about other forms of illness. We're going to talk about the caregivers and intellectual disabilities, which is a, a passionate topic for Robbie Miller. So let's expand this much bigger than autism and come back. We're talking today about caregiving goes high tech, the benefits, the challenges, the wish list. We'll cover that in our predictions at the end of the show. I'm speaking today with Jane Dixon Weber, Louise Gain, Robbie Miller, and Fahim Ahmed. And I'm I'm still Bonnie D. Graham with Coffee Break with Game Changers. Kevin, take us out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network. 
the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we're back, and we're talking today with Jane Dixon-Weber, Louise Gain, Robbie Miller, and Fahim Ahmed on the topic of caregivers and technology. Technology for its own sake doesn't mean a damn thing until the right people have access to it and are using it for the best access to accurate information that helps and gives hope, but the right kind of hope. I hope I summed it up well. Let's expand past the topic of autism, Fragile X, which we were discussing during the first half of the show. I'm going to ask Fahim Ahmed from SAP to talk about the important of technology in the caregiving frame of reference for seniors and for disabilities like Alzheimer's and dementia and other types of caregiving scenarios. Fahim, please start us off. Well, let me just say that my, my source comes from my research in care circles. We, we started by looking at a lot of families with autism, and we, we looked at how we could help them empower themselves with the information they need and the tools they need. And it was surprising how many of them were also caring for elders. It was, it was as if mm-hmm. this was a sandwich generation. They had kids to take care of, but they also yes. had their elderly parents. And initially, we made the assumption that we were only aiming our technology at the, the, these women in their 40s and 50s. But more and more, we found that they were asking questions that were clearly coming from the elders. We did a little survey. We asked how many of these elders had smartphones or, or tablets, and very, very few of them. We asked them how often they went on the Internet. Very, very few. And there was a third question which said, where do you get your information from? And everybody said, Internet. And this was... This is kind of surprising because you don't yeah. have a smartphone, you don't have a tablet, you don't go on the internet, and yet the internet is your primary source of information. So this required a follow-up survey, it required us uh, several interviews, and we found that um, often these seniors who were so uh, they were so passionate and so desperate to be independent, they wouldn't rely on their children; they would rely on their grandchildren to look things up for them. And this is a complete shocker. We're looking at multi-generational collaboration using technology. Who would have guessed? Fahim, I'm going to wage a guess here, a bet here, that it's the excitement of the availability. As you said, even if they don't have their own devices, their own smartphones, or whatever kind of connection device, even if they're afraid of a computer and it's, OMG, my God, what would happen to me if I got on Facebook or the Internet? They know somebody who's doing it, and, and I sense that it's because of the positive perception of what's available online that seniors are saying to their kids. Or their kids are saying, hey, you'll never guess what I found, or I have information that could help you. I think they're still an excitement about this this wonderful thing called the internet with all the information flying around. That's what we're trying to decipher today is where is the best information and how much information and how do caregivers get the right information to help them be better well, caregivers. Well, the, the, the sense I got was the, over, <clears throat> the, the, the driving factor here was not so much that it was the internet as that mm-hmm. they wanted to be self-dependent. 
Ah, okay, okay, the okay, the independent factor. I love it. Robbie Miller, talk to me. Let's expand intellectual disabilities. I know you're passionate about this, and and the idea that caregiving for people with special needs should be valued and honored as a profession and as an activity. If you're not a healthcare provider, in quotes, as Fahim mentioned before. So, Robbie, how do you see the internet and technology helping spread the idea that intellectual disability is is not a terrible thing, and that clearing up the fog, getting us good information. So first of all, I want to, uh, Bonnie, I want to make sure that your listeners know what we mean by intellectual disability. It's Please. a relatively new term in this country, only having been used for a, a handful of years now. Most people, most Americans are still familiar with the term mental retardation. That mm-hmm. term is no longer used uh, officially uh, by the government, uh, at, you know, at the state and, and federal level. Um, it has been replaced by the term intellectual disability. But like I said, most people still use the term uh, mental retardation, which over time had become a, uh, used as a slur, unfortunately, uh, mm-hmm. by many young people. So that, that's what led to this change. So it's really important that people understand what it is we're talking about because sometimes people will say, well, listen and, and think that they know what we're talking about, but it, it, they're not clear, okay? So just want yes. to make that point. Um, Good. Now, now, when you encounter somebody who has an intellectual disability, often you're unfamiliar, you know, it's not something that most people encounter every day in their lives, uh, particularly if you're from an older generation where people with intellectual disabilities were hidden away or isolated. But more and more now, uh, you are likely to see, to go to, speaking of, of Starbucks as we were earlier, go to Starbucks and see maybe someone with Down syndrome, a, a, a more common form of intellectual disability, working mm-hmm. there in the Starbucks. Um, but in general, I think we all know that when we encounter people who are different, uh, people that uh, we're not used to dealing with on a day-to-day basis who might have a special need, we're not sure what to do, that they have to be treated right. in some way differently or special, um, and that you can't just interact with them uh, person to person. But the truth of the, and we have you know, two people on the call here today who have children with intellectual disability, know that mm-hmm. these are just people. They're, they're people, and they have different strengths, and they have different weaknesses, and they are interested in the same things that all of us are interested in, and, and you, one can be just as natural interacting with that person as you would with your, your best friend. Um, exactly. Yeah. I want to so. share a story, Robbie and panel. I, I, I want to share this. I haven't told this to too many people, but something happened when I was grocery shopping last Saturday. I was in a, a big big store here on Long Island. I went in for, quote-unquote, only two or three things. Would I get a cart for that? Of course not. Bonnie, with her big, strong arms, I put a couple of this and a couple of that, and then I see a sale on my fang- favorite English muffins. Next thing, I'm doing the juggling act, and I'm not a juggler by any means. So I am. things are falling out of my arms, literally. A woman who works in the store sees me around the corner, she's walking around the aisle, sees me, and she says, would you like a cart? And I said, oh, my God, would I like a cart? Silly me, I didn't get one. She directs me to an empty checkout aisle and says, please put your groceries here. I will get you a cart. She smiles at me, leaves the store, goes outside. And I'm saying to myself, this kind of customer service in New York, are you kidding, Bonnie? This has got to be once in a lifetime. She goes outside, gets the cart, full cart, brings it back in the proper way, finds me at this. She says to me, don't touch a thing. I, I, You know what's coming. I will put everything in the cart for you. She takes my groceries one by one, puts them in the cart. Then she says, may I help you with anything else? I, I was almost in tears. I said to her, thank you. And I realized she was an, a 
woman in her 50s or 60s, very, very pleasant, who had an, quote-unquote, Robbie, intellectual disability. She said, have I been helpful? Have I been helpful? Did I help you? Really, did I help you? I said, you are wonderful. And because of you, I'm going to stay and do the rest of my grocery shopping year instead mm-hmm. of going back to my neighbor. I went and did $25. I know that's not a lot, but it was it was from $5. I went to $25 worth of groceries. When I left the store, she was the packer at my checkout line. And I said, you know, because of you, I stayed and did more shopping in the store. And I told that to the, the young man who was the checker. This woman looked at me again and she said, you mean I was helpful? You mean I was helpful? Was I really helpful? I said, you made my day. I almost cried. It was such a moment because this was her specialty. Customer service. Fahim, Louise, Jane, Robbie. She was a customer service expert in the most wonderful way. She cared about my comfort, about my ability to navigate the store. It was, I hate to be cliche, but it was a beautiful moment. And I will remember that store. Jane, I just want to point out Jane's... uh, uh, adult son with fragile X syndrome uh, works at a supermarket, and I'm sure Jane would have many stories like the one you just. Jane, shared. share something with us. Jane, talk to us. Um, not long ago, the um, he works at a, um, a, a a Kroger store in Colorado. Yes. Can I say that? And um, sure. Um, the some uh, vice presidents from the organization came into the store and my son asked for the day off just so he could go in and, and meet um, these uh, the people who who uh, are at the corporate level and you know Ian was able to, to to talk with the president of Kroger and 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 he could see that Ian had an intellectual disability, but I had the opportunity to say how valuable employment at this store is for my son now that he's out of high school. It provides a social opportunity, and it provides opportunities for him to continue learning as he um, grows older. It's a, exactly. it's a wonderful environment. Thank you for sharing that. Louise, you want to chime in here? We're, we're not rushing. We have four minutes left till the end of the segment, but any more stories you'd like to share from your work on the your concept of the hand pulling people out of the darkness into the light? Well, what I see is the people I work with, the individuals, no matter what age. And again, like you said, this may sound cliche, but they bring laughter and love into my life. I will ask them if I can give them a hug, and they will be really happy to receive that hug, just like anyone else. They will um, correspond with me by internet or call me and share something or ask a question. And often they forget to give me their names. But I have to guess, and I guess right, and we share a little bit of news for the day. And again, I'm going to go back to my theme. It's all about the individual bringing Mm -hmm. life and light through one-on-one contact and being friends together. Thank you, Louise. I, I want to bring up another point about the value of technology because that is our theme. Caregiving goes high tech. And I'm going to address this to Jane, but I know Fahim has something to say about this. Uh, Jane told me before the show, technology helps you find other care providers and respite, though it doesn't always help keep them. So it's not just information. As Fahim said, the private idea of Care Circles app, you can connect with other people privately and not in a public social networking, social media way. But Jane, talk to us. How does technology help you find other find providers. I know it helps you schedule visits with doctors, but what about services to help the primary caregiver? What is your experience? 
Um, so my experience with you know using technology to find uh, the types of services that my son needs and then finding the services that are available in my area. And what I found is that, you know, often sometimes they ha- you have right what you need that is nearby and other times you have to travel a distance or make some sacrifices to go to receive some of these services. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to Robbie's point, um, sometimes the, the service providers change and in some fields, they change more frequently than others. And so just when you get someone up to speed on, on your, your child's issues or even as an adult on the issues that your person that you're caregiving for, um, that person changes and you have to start over again. And, but then you can also use technology to help them get up to speed on your child or the person that you're caring for. So it becomes, um, it becomes a continuous circle. And some of, there's some challenges, but there's also some benefits where you can pull technology in then to help educate. Thank you, Jane. Fahim, we're just about at the break, but why don't you chime in on this? How do people using the Care Circles app share caregivers, share information about providers? Is this something that you are seeing? Well, it's interesting you ask that. You'd think I would know what they're actually sharing, but because it's so private, even SAP can't Ah. see what they're really doing inside. Good point. So so there is a real privacy. You certainly have built it. In your experience, though, do people tell you anecdotally that they use it for things like that, for not just information, but connecting to facilities and providers and services and, well, I and think that we're kind on the bridge of that? I think I think there's a, mm-hmm. there's a, there are certainly enhancements that we're going to release later this year that will allow them to have a formal bridge, a formal connection with the providers of their choice, with the trusted organizations of their choice, both the Mind Institute and the National Fragile X Foundation are partners in this, along with some really big brands that we've managed to attract to the platform. So I think in a few months, you'll see the ability for me as a consumer, as a caregiver, to choose on my terms which organizations I connect with, and on my terms, share my information with them, as opposed to the way we always do it. We, we log into their portals and mm-hmm. do it on their terms, and that's just wrong. Can I just also add, I've just been in Australia lecturing, and I talked about care circles as a way to communicate, and I had real interest in this way of communicating with parents from educators and OTs, occupational therapists, speech and language people, as well as the parents' family members wanting to reach out and communicate because too often medicine, families, education and therapies are separated. And what Care Circles does is allow everyone to communicate, um, either as Fahim has said, confidentially, confidentially mm-hmm. one-on-one or one to a group that they choose to communicate with. I think it's a real gift that reaches out to all families, whether they're caring for an elderly person, a person with a diagnosis other than intellectual disability, but also those with autism. 
Thank you very much, Louise. You've successfully taken us up to our break. This is our final break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Jane Dixon-Weber, Louise W. Gain, Robbie Miller, and Fahim Ahmed to look ahead into the crystal ball and tell me and tell us if five years from today we had this same conversation about caregiving goes high tech, what would we be talking about? Would we be talking about more challenges or would it all be solved? Would we be talking about darkness or would it all be light? What is their wish list? Each of my panelists, your wish list for what we would see in the next five years in terms of tech advancements for caregiving of all kinds. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. Kevin, take us out. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app, that mouse, that dial. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and you know what time it is, the crystal ball. I'm asking my guests, Jane Dixon-Weber, Louise W. Gain, Robbie Miller, and Fahim Ahmed, to polish off the crystal ball, whether they're using a rag or a silk scarf or an old blanket or a chamois. Anybody remember what a chamois is? I bet Robbie does. And tell me, if we had this conversation in five years from today on Caregiving Goes High Tech, what would we be discussing? Benefits, challenges, and your wish list. So let's start with Jane Dixon-Weber. Okay, Jane. I think that in a few years that telemedicine will become more prevalent and to the point where that you'll be able to talk with the doctor uh, uh, using some kind of technology and, and the doctor will be able to do that. They'll be able to bill for that and it will be part of the insurance system, but it will be um, a time when I think whether you have a senior who's unable to travel or a child who has difficulty going into a doctor's office, you'll be able to get some information through technology that way and maybe even be able to share it on something like Care Circles that Fahim has been working on. The information, I think, will become more... Uh, refined and more focused. It'll be more accurate. And I think uh, as families have access to that, they'll be able to receive better, they'll be able to ask questions and receive more accurate and more focused information for their child from the doctor uh, or other professional that they use with something like an iPad or, um, uh, you know, whatever their choice of technology is. 
Jane, do you see, uh, do you have a wish list, a personal wish list of one or two things you would like to see in addition to your predictions? What would you like to see technology provide for caregivers beyond what you just said? I think that, the, you know, the main thing I would like to see would be uh, more focus, accurate information for families mm-hmm. and information that they can access immediately, that they're comfortable accessing uh, immediately and will be will not overwhelm them you know provided in a way and in a format and an amount that won't be overwhelming to families because i think that will that will always be a challenge for all of us is is that accurate non-overwhelming information sounds to me like you're saying we need some tlc for the people who are taking care of the technology for caregivers, if I may go into that, that circular reasoning there. Thank you, Jane Dixon-Weber. Appreciate it. Louise W. Gain from the MIND Mind Institute at UC Davis. Louise, what do you see predictions in the next five years for this topic? Well, my hope or prediction is that the... Um information being shared by technology, whatever means, will evolve into being more personal and not just facts, figures, diagnosis, but really looking at the caregiver and providing information about support systems, whether they be church, how family can help, how society can reach out and help, addressing economic financial needs of family members, Mm -hmm. no matter if they are taking care of an elder or a child, and that there will be more real information with truth and honesty behind it, personal rather than facts, figures, and um, more distant information. So my prediction, and we're seeing it in the field, it's moving into looking at how to provide personal support to caregivers. Thank you, Louise. I like that. Robbie Miller, predictions five years from today. What would we be talking about? And your wish list, please. One you know, and a half Bonnie, minutes. I don't care if it's five years, 15 years, or 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. We'll be having a similar conversation as we have for hundreds, if not thousands of years, okay? Mm-hmm. Whenever there's uh, people who operate more on the margins of society, um, there will be challenges. There, you know, if we all lived forever and retained all of our new knowledge and sensitivities, this wouldn't be an issue, but there will always be new people being born. There will be people coming into the profession. There will be changes in economies and pressures and so forth. So we'll always be having this conversation. We'll always have to be sensitive to the needs. What I think technology will do, though, is make it easier to have that conversation. Uh, And what I hope that we'll be able to say in five years uh, is that the people who are way out there, uh, both in the United States and throughout the world, uh, they'll have access to the conversation. They'll have access to the information. The people who historically have uh, been underserved or, uh, or not served at all. But I think the conversation in its essence, in its core, will always uh, continue. Thank you. And, and I'm going to make one question to you quickly, Robbie, a yes or no answer, if you don't mind, because we're tight on time. Do you think that the the coming of age of technology in the caregiving world will help to give dignity and even an excitement, encouraging people to enter the caregiving field as a profession. Yes or no? A qualified yes. 
Thank you. Good. We'll have to have you back for the rest of the answer. And now it's time for Fahim Ahmed from SAP to give us your predictions. Take a deep look into that crystal ball, please, Fahim, and tell me what would we be discussing if we had this discussion five years from today all the way into 2018? Well, Bonnie, I think the current state of uh, caregiving technology is pretty appalling, but there are encouraging signs that this is changing. Not only do we have new laws which give patients the right to access and control their own information, there are also new grants which fund the development of technology and services to empower families. The industry is finally coming under pressure to reduce cost and improve outcomes, and the only way to do that is by involving family caregivers. So going back to technology... Something that is very needed is a consumer-grade recommendation engine to help people make sense of all the information and choices available to them. I think five years from now, we're going to have better technology to help people understand their options and make better decisions. And if we can just do that, that alone will help so many families in need. Thank you so much, Fahim. Great insights always from you, and thanks for coming back on the show. Now it's time for Bonnie's predictions, and mine are easy because I have them written down. We have got a major exciting week for Game Changers Radio next week. Let me tell you about it. Coffee Break with Game Changers, of course, Wednesdays, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, October 9th. What a topic, sports and technology. Two of my very special guests will be Michael Glidman, the CIO of the NBA, that's right, the National Basketball Association, and Marcus Bauer, the head of technology for the sailing team Germany, and more people joining them. What a topic. October 16th, Corporate Responsibility CR. Nice to have or must have? Part two, continuing a topic we started on May 15, 2013. And on Tuesdays, of course, our series HR Trends with Game Changers. October 8th, we'll be talking about business trends, the HR-led business. You want to listen to that. Valuable information for any company, any size, and anywhere in the world. October 15th, talent recruiting, best practices. You also want to hear that. And the big news is that next week we're starting a brand new mini-series here on Game Changers Radio. The topic will be startup focus. If you have a dream, a gleam, a thought about starting up a company and you want to hear from the people in the trenches, been there, done that, know how to do it, the pros and cons, the good, the bad, maybe the ugly, you want to tune in for this 13-week series starting next Thursday, October 10th, 1 p.m. Pacific, all the way late for me, 4 p.m. Eastern. First topic, October 10th, why this startup now? Uh Uh-huh, question you should be asking yourself if you're thinking of a startup. October 17th, the second episode will be Selling to the Enterprise. You know where we're going with that one. I have my thank yous to our wonderful panelists today, Jane Dixon-Weber, Louise Gain, Robert Miller, Robbie, and Fahim Ahmed. Great ideas, great expertise. Thank you so much for your heartfelt contributions to the show. Shout-outs to Malcolm Kimberlin, my co-producer. Fahim, thanks for helping organize the topic. Shout-out to Layla Saborian at SAP as well. And Randy and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio Voice America. Now it's time for my call to action. Put on your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. See you next week. Bye-bye.